Welcome to the Old Chick Snowship Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Arthurton. This podcast is dedicated to helping midlife women step into the inherent power and wisdom of a time of life when they often feel overlooked and underrepresented and even begin to doubt themselves. Each week, we will cover information and inspirational topics along with real stories from real women who are defying cultural stereotypes and perceptions of midlife. Women who are reinventing themselves, starting businesses, chasing their dreams, and tackling challenges they never thought possible. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Old Chicks No Ship podcast. Today's guest is Jacqueline Perez, who is the founder and creator of The Cool Life. The Cool Life is a really cool online resource for midlife women. It's basically all about, so Jacqueline pulls together all kinds of really meaningful curated content, like amazing articles. And the thing that I love most about The Cool Life was the fact that you're also curating women-led brands which I like near and dear to my heart. I love that. So can you tell us a little bit about the cool life and what prompted you to go there? Yeah, Jennifer, thank you for having me today on your podcast and old chicks do know shit, don't we? Um, And (laughs) So yeah, I built cool life out of sheer personal frustration because right around 52 or 53 I started going through menopause, like through the real, like the final dregs of menopause. And I know, I mean, like every other human goes through this transition, right? I mean, in general, know so little about it. And we're, most of us just aren't prepared. And I surely was not prepared. And I also know that a lot of women go through this transition and they don't have any symptoms or their symptoms are really mild. And that's wonderful, more power to you. Unfortunately, I was not so lucky. You name it. I had the symptom from weight gain to brain fog, to dysregulation of emotion, to vertigo and everything in between. When I went out there to try to solve some of my problems. And I mean, I tried the traditional method by going to primary care physicians and did not like any of the answers I got from any of the physicians that I went to. It was all like, oh, well, you're just getting older. Oh, you're just getting older. That's just what happens. Your hormones are transitioning. You're losing. I'm like, okay, that's great. But I'm 53 and I plan on sticking around for a really long time. Are you sitting there and telling me that I have to be discom- you know, in discomfort and kind of not functioning for the next 30, 40, maybe 50 years? I don't. That's just not acceptable to me. And so out of sheer frustration, I started talking to other women and realizing that they were facing a lot of the same issues that I was facing and also feeling very alone and very isolated and not being addressed. Like their issues were not being addressed. Whoa. So that was the impetus, Jennifer. But then I started really looking at what was happening to me beyond the physiological changes. My son was about to go to college, you know, just my parents were already deceased. So I'm quote unquote, an orphan, but I started looking at all of the things that happened during the season of life and thinking, we're just not being talked to. We're not being taken care of. No one is letting us know what to expect, what are our options and, you know, sort of like what is quote unquote normal. I decided to do something about it. And so I went out and started talking to women and asking them how they felt about their transitioning into midlife and beyond. Got a lot of nods like, yeah, we feel like we're not being addressed. We feel invisible. We we don't know what's going on. So I, I went out and started curating industry thought leaders, women from around the globe that know their shit, whether it's about your, you know, vagina or whether it's about your midlife divorce or whether it's about the fact that you're an empty nester, whatever that is, there's a lot of unique opportunities and challenges that present themselves during this phase of life. And wouldn't it be great if we just knew more about them, if we shared information so that we didn't feel alone and we felt more integrated, Does if that makes any sense. So that was the impetus, my personal yeah. frustration. <laughs> you know, and so many of us, myself included, go through that period of frustration because up until it was happening to me, like I was, I never heard anybody talking about it. Like, why is it like, 
why are we not talking about this phase of our lives? Like, why were our mothers not talking about this phase of our lives? Yeah, I, honestly, I think our moms and our grandmothers, those generations were taught to like suck it up and yeah. not complain. And honestly, the medical profession didn't really pay a lot of attention yeah. to any of the physiological changes that transpire in a woman's body. We're just, we're too complicated, right? We're, we, we can create life and then sustain it. We are complex organisms. And so it is tough. It's tough to figure out. So between the medical community ignoring us and the messaging being that women just needed to suck it up and not complain. And also no. we're <laughs> our, our culture and not every culture is like this, but a lot of the Western cultures are so youth centric that talking yeah. about menopause, admitting you're going through menopause, admitting that your biological imperative is done was just shameful and unsexy. So I get why our mothers and grandmothers yeah. didn't talk about it. Yeah. But I call bullshit on all that stuff. I really, really do. Oh, you know? yeah. And what I like to say, Jennifer, is 50% of our readers on Cool Life, 50% of our traffic comes from people below 45. So yeah. what that means to me is that women are interested in what's coming. Women do want to know. They are educating themselves. They don't want to be hit like a tractor trailer without knowing what to expect and be prepared. And yeah. the thing is that this is an amazing season of life. If we're just given the ammunition to be able to navigate the new waters, that's all. I mean, it's just a new, it's a new sea that we're in. That's it. I mean, yeah. it's not a bad one. It's not a bad one. As a matter of fact, I think it's much better than any other season I've been in so far. I 100% agree with you. I honestly, you know, my listeners have heard me say this before. Like, I honestly believe that midlife is the most powerful point in our lives. Like, you know, before this, like, if you think of the other seasons of womanhood, so, you know, maiden, we're looking for a, <laughs> a husband to, you know, start our family with mother, we're consumed with our, you know, raising our families. And then you typically see like the whole crone, which to me, every time I hear the word crone is like this old wrinkled woman sitting on a mountaintop spouting wisdom before she leaves the planet. And I'm like, wait a minute, what happened to the 30 years between like 50 when your kids leave home and like, you know, 85 or 90. So maybe it's even 40 years, right? Like, right. why is that part like just kind of missing from the story? And I well, think, right. I think we are like the first generation of women who are now claiming our stake in these phases, because before that, our, like you said, our mothers and our grandmothers just kind of accepted that that's the way that it was and away they went. Right. Yeah. So I, I tell anyone who sits still long enough that there is a huge chasm between mini skirts and depends. Yeah. And yeah. right. I mean, seriously, that 30, 40 years you're talking about. So maybe you don't want to wear a mini skirt because you're not really feeling super comfortable in them anymore. But you sure as shit aren't like incontinent yet. So what happened to that huge chunk of life? Yeah. I agree. <laughs> and so but there's actually a reason for that, Jennifer. The, re the reason that this is new territory is that this is the first time in civilization since humans have been around that there is an actual large cohort of yes. women in this phase. Yes. We've never been here before. Yeah. We've never, we've never, I mean, in the early 1900s, the average lifespan of a white woman was like 51 or 52, yeah. something ridiculous. So some of them didn't even make it through menopause, yeah. much less have 30 or 40 good, solid, healthy, productive years where, they weren't menstruating, right? Yeah. And so in a lot of ways, we're here to set the stage for that new phase of life that we've all been gifted. And oh my God, what a gift. I actually just, I wish I could go back in time and gift that to our mothers and grandmothers because yeah. they got short changed, didn't they? I mean, they yeah. got so short changed. My mom did not get to experience her midlife and beyond years with the level of health and autonomy and strength and energy and just joy for living that I get. It's such a gift that we get that we need to embrace it and take advantage of it. Don't take it for granted because yeah. so true, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then and the other part is like, not only are we like the largest cohort, we also earn more money, have more disposable income than any of any women in history of time. Right. And so yeah, like yeah. we're now like we're now speaking on the economic stage. Right. Like we hold 
we wield economic power, right? You so, know, and, and ironically, we've done it making what? 80 cents on the dollar? Dollar. Exactly. And taking, and a lot of us taking time out of the workforce to raise our yeah. kids. Yeah. Yet we still own most of the wealth. Okay. Women are freaking scary, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, think about that. I mean, if you compare disposable income between men and women in our age group, we are still behind. Like we are absolutely still behind, but. Oh, a hundred percent. But given, given the impediments and the barriers that we've had to overcome, the fact that we are an economic powerhouse Mm -hmm. and we also make 85% of the purchasing decisions in the household. Yeah. And we're not talking brand of toothpaste or brand of toilet paper. We're talking cars, vacations, education, retirement homes. Yeah. Like I said, we're freaking scary. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think is like the greatest challenge that we women face in this challenge in this time of our lives? Wow. That is an excellent question. To be honest with you, I think our biggest challenge and our biggest hurdle is to stop judging one another because mm-hmm. we are doing it differently. You know, if your sister is, you know, letting her hair go gray, don't criticize her for that. If your other friend insists on coloring her hair and doing Botox, don't judge or criticize that because I think there has to be room for each of us to live this space, to live this time the way we want to. We've earned it. We have given everything to everyone else up until now. And now it's our turn and we've earned the right to do it the way we want to do it. And no one else has to like it. They, you know, just don't judge it. Don't judge other women because that's divisive and that diminishes the collective power that we have if we stick together. And I would add to that, I think one of our other bigger challenges is that we become, because we've been conditioned to see our value in how we look, like, you know what I mean? We become so focused on what it is that we're losing. Like we're getting gray hair. Our faces are changing. Our bodies are changing. We might be gaining weight, getting some wrinkles. And we become so focused on that, that we miss the really important part, which is who we've become inside ourselves. Right. And so we have all of this, like, you know, knowledge and experience and wisdom. Like there are some seriously badass women out there. And when we, you know, when our culture keeps us focused on how we look, we're missing the point. We're not stepping into our power. We're actually giving it away. I mean, cosmetics industry or the anti-aging, you know, industry is like, I don't know, 27 billion. It's actually probably even more than that billion dollar a year enterprise. Right. And like, that's keeping us focused. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like I dye my hair. I do whatever, you know what I mean? I have eyelash extensions. I do what I can to feel good about myself. But let's not let that be the sum of who we are. Like we are so much more than what our faces and our bodies are telling the world. Oh, a hundred percent. And this is really kind of, you know, humorous or ironic or what to call it. But when I was going through the menopause stage, even though that was like five years ago, so I was younger, right? I was younger. I'm about to be 58. I really felt small and as if I was disappearing. Mm, Yes. And I realized in part, I was doing it to myself because I wasn't liking what I saw reflected back to me. I had gained 30 pounds. I weighed, I weighed as much as I weighed the day I delivered my son Mm -hmm. and I didn't feel, and also just the dysregulation of emotions, the anxiety, it was really difficult for me to feel good about myself. So I had to start there. I kind of had to start with, and it was all related to hormones, hormones, run the show. And if everything, you think they, like, yeah, everything. If you think they don't, right. If you think you're don't, they don't, you're doing yourself a disservice yeah. because you've got to get your physiology in line. You've got to get your hormones in balance. You've got to get feeling good from the inside out yeah. because once that happens and all of a sudden you got yourself back, right. And once you got yourself back, that just radiates out. So interestingly enough, I get hit on now more than I did at 52 at almost 58. I get noticed more and it has nothing to do because I got plastic surgery or, you know, a boob job or anything. It has to do with the fact that I radiate more energy now because I feel better about me and I don't care what other people think about me anymore. I seriously, that to me is Nirvana. And if you really get to the point where you give no Fs about anyone else's opinion, 
I mean, yeah, I, I respect those people that I respect and admire. I ask their opinion and I consider their opinion, but just random acts of this is what I think of you just don't yeah. care. Yeah. <laughs> just, just yeah. don't totally, totally just don't. I mean, energetically, there is something that like, you know, a person who is just like a hundred percent comfortable with themselves and just owns a hundred percent of who they are is an attractive person, right? Like the physical sexy. pieces have just, yeah. Yeah. yeah, sexy. That is so sexy. They're so yeah. Owning your light and owning your power is I think a far greater aphrodisiac than smooth skin personally, but yeah. <laughs> But honestly, at this time of our lives, like owning who we are is a little bit of an act of rebellion, though, because our culture, like we live in a culture that wants us to be focused on, you know, our physical attributes, right? Like as women, like, well, that's how we've been cultured to be like our value is in, you know, our ability to have children, what we do for others. And are we physically pleasing to somebody else? Right. And so going against that is is a bit of an act of rebellion to say, yes, I have wrinkles. Yes, maybe I weigh a little bit more or, you know, my hair is I'm now rocking the gray hair. Right. And then owning that 100 percent, like just there's something just so amazing. And I wish I my wish for the world and for all the midlife women in the world is that they could see themselves as powerful rather than like because menopause in a lot of cases, it's like people I did this. I took it as a little bit of a betrayal. Like my body was betraying me because there were so many things happening that I couldn't control. And I was like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I get my shit together? Why am I crying all the time? Why can't I sleep? Why am I having heart palpitations? Right? Like get it together, girl. I kept saying that to myself over and over. Like I was failing. Right. And I was like, well, after, you know, going through it and I was like, wow, I was so hard on myself. And I probably could have made things easier had I been, you know, a little bit more like, first of all, had a better understanding and a lot more compassion for the fact that, yeah, some stuff's going on in my body, but it's not the end. No, you just have to get through it. Literally, you just have to figure out how to get through it. And for some people, it's easier than for others. And for some people, it requires, you know, supplement intervention or, you know, hormone you know, listen, I use bioidentical hormone replacement therapy therapy, and I, it works for me. I'm not suggesting it for anyone else, but testosterone was the greatest gift I ever gave my body. Yeah. I'm like, if I had known that testosterone was going to up my game the way that it has, I would have done it a lot sooner. Yeah. But I didn't know. Why didn't I know? Because nobody talks about this stuff. Nobody shares this information. You know, I'd go to doctors. No doctor ever suggested, hey, you know, maybe if you added some testosterone to your physiology, that could alleviate the night sweats. That could alleviate the weight gain. That could, no one ever suggested it. No. So, yeah. yeah. And, you know, even with my own doctor, like, cause I t- too, like, I mean, it makes my life worth living. <laughs> like the, like I have so many friends who just breeze through it. Some who had a little bit of a bumpy time. And then on the other side, they're great. But for me, that's what it required. And I'm yeah. like, I am totally in acceptance of that. But I remember having the conversation with my doctor. Like I went out, I educated myself and then having the conversation with my doctor. And she said to me, well, the bioidentical hormones or whatever hormones, they cause cancer. And I was like, no, they don't. This was like an old, old study done in the sixties that has since been refuted several times. And I had to send her all of the information to say here, like, you know, and so it shouldn't be that much of a struggle. Like, you know, we need to be able to have that open conversation with our physicians. But that just goes to show you what lack of resources the physicians have as they're getting their, as they're getting their education. So why aren't they being educated on these topics? Yeah. We make up half the freaking population. Like, really? Are we not worthy of just some extra, you know, knowledge for these medical professions? So I had to do the same thing, Jennifer. I did a bunch of research and then I literally found a doctor who does this. And yeah. I went to yeah. her and I yeah. said, okay, I've been through six doctors. This is what I keep getting told. You know, here's what my situation is. She took, I swear to you, I thought, I thought she was, she had turned into a vampire. She took so much blood before she did anything. She tested everything. She was incredibly thorough, incredibly thorough about my history, health history, all of it. Right. Just to make sure. And then she put it together and, and, oh my, and she checks my blood. 
every year to make sure that things are going the right in the right direction. I mean, she didn't just stick them in there and then run in the other direction. Yeah. You've got to pay attention, right? But yeah, there are <laughs> options. There, there are, are options. options. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And we need to be able to be armed with enough information to be able to figure out what's right for us and right for our bodies. And this is the other part, right? Like we have to, you know, again, we are so used to getting our validation and acceptance from outside of us. Again, like what we do for other people, are we pleasing, you know, don't be too loud, you know, be quiet, all of that type of stuff that we don't trust ourselves. And so when our bodies are talking to us, right? Like we dismiss it. It was just like I did. I was like, what's wrong with me? I'm like, I can't control my body anymore. Right? Like, why am I gaining weight? And so really kind of turning back inside of ourselves, I think is so critically important at this time of our lives and really listening to like, what are our bodies telling us? What's your soul telling you? Like, this is the stuff that we need to be doing. Like you just said, like, forget the outside world. Couldn't give two craps about what's going on out there. This is all about me right now and what's happening inside me. And that, I honestly believe that that's how we need to be driven or guided forward in this next chapter of our lives. You know, and it's really okay if it takes you a hot minute to get there too, because, of course. you know, of course it took me a while to figure out I was coming undone, right? Because it, yeah. it's not like all of a sudden you just come undone in every direction, right? So the weight was, the weight started coming on and I was like, oh, okay, I don't, maybe I need to exercise more. Well, that didn't work. And all right, maybe I need to drink less. That didn't work. Maybe I need to eat less. That didn't work. What, what, you know, so I had to do all these things, right? To see like, well, what changed and what can I do to fix it? And it wasn't until, I don't know, year, year and a half and the anxiety started and the vertigo started and then the brain fog started. I, I was a train wreck. I'm not exactly sure how I was able to actually get help because it can get pretty bad. It got pretty yeah. bad for me. Yeah. It yeah. really got pretty bad. And thank the universe or whatever that I finally figured it out. And I'll tell you after that first appointment within days, I was just like, Ooh, like I'm back. I was like, what happened? Like a veil had been lifted off of me. A weight had been lifted off of me. And I was just like, yeah, I'm, there's no, there's no going back. And if it shortens my life span, that's okay. Because I choose quality over quantity. And I don't want to live to be a hundred and feel the way that I felt all that time. I'd rather live less years and feel the way I feel now. I mean, to be honest with you, that's a hundred percent with you. Like there, there is life on the other side and it's a process to figure out the right, the right path for us. Right. But I think the thing is like, we need to go into it knowing that there's something on the other side, as opposed to like, I went into going, okay, this is the beginning of the end. (laughs) Right. Like I thought that too, but isn't yeah. it great to discover that it's actually the beginning of the beginning? I mean, oh. it's the beginning of the best part. I, I, yeah. I, yeah. But I don't know, you know, in all fairness, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I told you this, but half of our readers are people under 45. Yeah. Yeah. Which to me means women care and they want to know what's coming and they're educating themselves which I think means that their transition is going to be easier and faster. They're going to get to that good part quicker because they know it's there. And if you know the good parts there, I think you get to it faster. Right. And so I'm very excited about the fact that you, myself and a gajillion other women who are in it now have taken to whatever channel, the social media channels, the YouTube channels, the podcast channels, the websites, whatever, so that we can share this information so we can learn from one another. And if we just, if if I just help one woman, one woman not feel the way that I felt for years, just one, I will feel like I was victorious. I feel like, okay, I've done my job. I've done it. Yeah, Yeah, that is so true. And I, I see the same, like in my community, there are women like I said, who are below, like you said, are below 40 or approaching 40s who are thinking about like, what do I want to do in my next chapter? I don't know about you, but I never thought about what's my next chapter after this. I was just like, oh, okay, I guess this is it until the end, <laughs> right? Yeah. I had my son late in life. So I had mm-hmm. my son at 38. So in my 40s, I was dealing with toddler, kindergartner, elementary oh, wow, school. Yeah. At the same time that I was having night sweats, insomnia, I had no idea I was in perimenopause. 
no, I thought it was stress related to child rearing and stress related to my job. And, you know, I, I was also training in martial arts. So I was thinking maybe I was overtraining and my body just wasn't, you know, resting enough in hindsight. Now I look back and go, crap, I was perimenopausal when my son was like three. (laughs) Yeah. But when you're taking care of a three-year-old, you're not really thinking about, Hey, you know, how am I feeling? Right. Cause you don't really have a lot of time to think about that. Yeah. That's so true. Talk to me a little bit about finding your passion. Cause so many women, I think, you know, I've heard it described that like, you know, when men would kind of reach middle life, they kind of have like a crisis of like personality, right? Like, you know, and they tend to want to, you know, go buy things, get younger girlfriends, buy faster cars. And women, it's, I've seen it described as a crisis of meaning as in they want their life to mean something. And that leads them to the place of kind of thinking, okay, what's my passion and purpose in life? Like, what's your experience of finding your passion in midlife? Yeah, that's a, God, that's a good one. So for most of my life, I was kind of like a jack of all trades, right? I career wise, you know, you name it, I kind of did it. And I never felt like, wow, I, this is what I've been built for. This is who I am. Never felt that way. I'm a self described as a hummingbird, right? And hummingbirds are really important, but just like buzzing around from pretty flower to pretty flower, but pollinating all over the place. And honestly, I stumbled across this particular passion because it hit me so hard personally. Mm. And for me, that passion had to come from like deep in my gut and, and helping myself feel more normal and accepted and not invisible. And then by definition, bringing all my other sisters along for the ride and not just along for the ride, but like next to me, cause I can't do it by myself. So I, I stumbled across my passion. Mm. I can't tell you, yeah, I, I don't have a formula. Do you know what right. I mean? Like yeah, yeah. I can't say, you know, go to school or go to the library and research this or no, it was gifted to me. Yeah. And I realized that my entire lifespan, all of those disparate, weird things that I participated in and did and learned. I mean, I have an MBA from the University of Chicago. I have a statistics and finance background. I also ran a marketing and PR firm. Am I any of those things? No. Am I all of those things now because I'm an entrepreneur? Yes. So Yeah, I actually love that you said that because I am a firm believer in that your life prepares you for exactly where you want to go. And so that everything that may may seem like random and disconnected in your life is actually adding up to something. And when you actually can see kind of the sum of the parts and find, you know, maybe there's common threads in there, you know, you have what you realize is you have everything that you need to take the next step forward. Like you don't you, you know, it's not like you're picking something random out of the blue. It's like, there's all these like pieces of the puzzle, then they're out there and then you put them together in a slightly different way. And that becomes your passion for this chapter. And maybe you rearrange them again for your passion in the next chapter. But the other important thing that you said is that you felt it. Like you weren't doing it because, oh, it's a job or oh, it's a way to make money or it's this or other. Like it was a, like it was coming from inside you. And I say this all the time. Yeah, it has yeah. to come from inside you. I wish I could have told you, like, I've always had this, blah, blah, blah. No, yeah. I, I haven't. I mean, it's, I have enjoyed and I have felt passionate about almost everything I've ever participated in. But that's just because that's also my nature. Like, if I don't feel passion towards something, you're not going to get me to do yeah. it. You're just, right. you're just not. You're just not going to get me to do it. No amount of cajoling, discipline, <laughs> yeah. financial reward, nothing will motivate me. I have to be motivated internally. But this is the first time, honestly, and that's why I feel like I've been given this brand new life at 54 Mm -hmm. and I'm just getting started. And I want your audience to hear that it is never too late to get started. You can start today. You could start like two minutes from now. You could start five minutes from now. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because if you're breathing, if you're breathing, you can start, you can start something. Yeah. I, you know, that is so true. And I, I feel very much the same as you. It's like, I have this brand new life in front of me that I could not have possibly imagined. Like I literally couldn't, if you had told me that this is what's going to happen, I'd be like, yeah, no, probably not. Right. 
but it does feel like starting over, but yet not starting over at the same time, if you know what I mean? Like, because like I said, so many pieces of where I came from are like, oh, okay, I see where this fits now. Like, oh, okay, that thing, I absolutely. And having that passion for what I do now is absolutely what pulls me forward because there are times when it is hard, when I don't know, when I have to figure something out, when I'm doubting what I'm doing, right? And having the passion really helps kind of keep me going. Like yeah. in well, that's, that's so true. Cause there's so many things that I didn't know how to do. I mean, Ooh. I built not the website that's there. Now the website that there's there now is professionally built, but the original website I built right. now, if you're thinking, wow, are you a tech person? Did you, are you a website <laughs> no. developer? No, no. Nope. <laughs> but you know, with enough, you know, scotch tape and band-aids and YouTube and buckets of tears, you can do anything if you really believe it. Yeah. And that's the thing because there was a lot of crying at three o'clock in the morning and a lot, you know, whatever, midnight watching YouTube videos and not, and then going back and going, why doesn't my screen look like this? And, you know, oh you yeah, know, <laughs> right? I'm you. like, you're lying to me with this YouTube video because <laughs> that is right. not, those are not the buttons that are available to me. <laughs> I so feel you. I so feel you on that one. In fact, I interviewed a woman a little while ago who, after a career in retail in her late fifties, started her first online business. And then in her seventies, started her second online business. And I was like, you know, so I said to her, I was like, what is like, what do you attribute your success? Cause she now has two successful online businesses. She's now 75 and starting a podcast. And I said like, okay, what is it that you attribute your success in all of these things? And she's like, I think I need to know this woman, by the way. So you might have to make an introduction. <laughs> yeah. She said, you know what? I never stop learning. I am not afraid to learn something new. And she's like, you know, I came from the world of retail in our late fifties. And she's like, I had to learn a whole other way of doing business. Right. And she's like, many mistakes, you know, forwards, backwards, but she's like, I just kept showing up every day going, what can I learn today? What can I learn today? And I was like that in itself. And okay. If you, if you see this woman, like when she told me she was 75, I nearly fell off my chair because her light and her energy is so big. Right. And like, it comes out of her face. Like I would, she looked ageless to me actually. And we had the conversation about, you know, when you're in that place where you're showing up to life with, okay, I've got lots ahead of me. What can I learn? It actually is like refueling your energy, right? Like it's not an energy depletion where you get, you know, if you're suffering away in in a job that you hate or whatever, right? Which is depleting you. This is literally lighting her up. And she's like, yeah, I got another chapter after this one. So I can't wait to see what I'm going to do next. And I was like, that's the attitude. And that's what I talk about when it's inside of us. It's about what we believe about this time of our life, I think is a huge proponent of, you know, how we experience it. Yeah. I think that like the gifts in this time, and now I'm really excited about turning 70 or 60 or 70 or 80, because right? it sounds like, sounds like it just, it's just the ride just keeps getting better. Oh my God. Sign me up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's exactly what she said. It's like, you know, what's the next chapter? And, you know, and again, it's like, you know, when we are kids, like we dream about, okay, who are we going to marry? Where are we going to live? How many kids are we going to have? Like, what's going to be our career? But we never actually think about, okay, well, what's going to be after the kids leave home? Like what, we don't think about that part, right? So most of us come up to the edge of this and then we're looking and we're like, oh, oop, there's nothing there because we've never, ever spent time talking about it. And like my daughter said to me a little while ago, she's like, I can't wait to see what I'm doing in my fifties and sixties. And I was like, wow, what a different perspective she has. I like, I never even thought of it. Well, in our defense, okay. In our defense, you know, in the early 1900s, the average lifespan of a white woman was 51. (laughs) True. True. Okay. So this is actually the first time in the history of humankind being on the earth that there is a large cohort of women in that age span that didn't exist before. So in a lot of ways, it's up to us to define what that space looks like, at least at the onset. We're the first group. It is our responsibility to open that up for our younger sisters. And that's what we're doing. So many women are rising to that challenge and joining forces. I mean, I have over 55, I can't remember the exact number because it's just, it's constantly evolving. Women from around the world who are thought leaders in the cool life community, bringing their expertise, bringing their tips, their advice, their perspectives, sharing their knowledge on all of the, all of the opportunities and challenges that happen during the season of life. 
what better way to go through it than to get that information so that we can, we can know what to expect, you know, what the pitfalls are, what the challenges are, what the opportunities are, what to look forward to, how to navigate maybe some potential turbulent waters and then sharing it with each other so that you know, you're not alone because loneliness is actually a far greater killer than smoking or BMI or almost anything else. And women have lived so isolated as they've aged. I know my mom was fairly isolated and my grandmother was incredibly isolated. We don't live like that anymore. We don't have to. Yeah. Community is so, so, so important. Cause I know even on my own journey, when it started, you know, like, again, nobody was talking about this and I thought I was all alone in it. It was only when I started, you know, sharing with people and they're like, Oh, me too. Me too. I'm like, wow, look at, we're all going through this together. And nobody's talking about it because as women, we're like, we need to make it all look nice and pretty on the outside. Doesn't matter what's happening on the inside. Right. 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 When we come together, there's so much power. Like I see this in my mastermind groups, in my coaching groups, There's so much power in women coming together and sharing and supporting each other. And like you said, you know, like we've been pitted against each other in so many ways. Like we're so busy judging our sisters that we miss the opportunity that when we come together, we're like raising everybody, right? Like it's not you or me, it's you and me together. Yeah, I think it's just, it's just change, change the channel from scarcity to abundance. Yes, It's just that easy. Like literally just flip the switch. Instead of there's not enough, there's so much. And the more women, the more we make because we create, we're creators. Yeah. Women are constantly creating. Yeah. And so you put a bunch of women together and what's going to happen? Some pretty impressive things that that there's enough for everyone. And then some, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We'll get there. We'll get there. We're shifting the mindset and we're going to get there. There's a sea change coming. There really, really is. For sure. And like, you know, celebrating when you see a woman who is like maybe ahead of you on the journey and, you know, doing something that maybe you want to do instead of like finding all the reasons why, you know, well, she had this more money, this, then, and, 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 right. Like celebrate that woman, because if it's possible for her, it's absolutely possible for you too. Right. Like you said, there's more than enough to go around. Yeah. And I tell that to everyone because everyone's like, well, how did you do this? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, listen, I'm really not that special. I'm not that. Pati- I mean, I'm really not. It's like it. So if I can do it, you can too. I yeah. promise. I promise. I say that all the time too. It's, you know, cause I get that question, like, tell us, you know, and again, like we're all unique, but we're not special. Right. And like, I'm, and I'm not a rocket scientist. Like I felt my way forward one step at a time, just like you can too. But again, we don't trust ourselves enough to start taking the chances I find. Right. Like we're like looking for the safety and the security, which, you know, nothing offers that anymore. (laughs) Nothing ever did. I mean, it it was, it was just, it was a, it was all an illusion to begin with. You know, I've been, I've been an entrepreneur since 1999 and, (laughs) Back in the 1900s. <laughs> and, you know, I, I used to get asked, like, aren't you scared? You don't have security of a paycheck. And I would look at them. I'm like, listen, I know whether I have clients or not. I know what's coming down the pipe. You, my friend, have no idea about the discussion that's being had in the back office behind your back about downsizing, yes. about whether or not you're going to be let go or moved to a position that you're not going to enjoy. So don't tell me that you have more security because you don't. Well, I mean, that was my story. Like I had some pretty serious health challenges and I took some time off to, you know, I had like spent 10 years with a company, almost 11 years with a company, you know, got my way up to an executive position, had to take some time off for some pretty serious health issues. And when I came back, I was replaced and I was like, oh, okay. Wow. Okay. Because literally when it comes down to it, you're a line item on a spreadsheet. Like literally that's what it is. And you can be just like, just as quick as you can hit delete on that (laughs) spreadsheet, you can be gone. And so part of that was the real impetus for me doing my own thing was like, I want to be in more control. Although (laughs) that was when I still thought I could control life. Right. Like I wanted to be in control of my own destiny, which I am to a lot of degree. Right. Right. And I also wanted the freedom. We are all living the life that we designed. Yes. Whether you realize it consciously or not, not like whether it's an act, whether you actively designed it or passively designed it, you designed it. And so, amen. Yeah. 
Amen. For good or for better or worse, right? I mean, we just we are the designers of our own life. Yeah. And I mean, I realized like, you know, I got to the place that I had been striving to get for like corporate executive, right. That I had worked so hard, gone to school, got a, you know, got good grades, got the right job, worked my way up the ranks. And then I got there and I was like, Hmm, is this really what I was, is this really what I was striving for? Like, I was like, there has to be something more to this. Right. And then I started looking back and I realized I never actually made a conscious decision. Well, I did semi-conscious decisions about which job am I going to take care of there, but I never consciously chose my life. I just like followed what I thought I was supposed to be doing along the way. Right. Because people say, well, this is what you do. You go to school, you get a good, right. And nowhere did I check in and go, hmm, is this actually making you happy? Is this what you want? And then, you know, like I said, my whole, like my listeners know my whole life literally crumbled around me. Like I was divorced, unemployed, empty nester, bedridden with a stress-related illness. And I was like, okay, this is my opportunity now to create life the way that I want it. Right. As opposed to my living by other people's rules. Right. I mean, did you just hear everything you said? Like unemployed, empty nest, divorced, sick, like you hit every, you know, the, the, yeah. those pillars that they talk about that are like the pillars of life. Oh yeah. You had every single one in the toilet all at the same time. Yeah. And you still decided to design your life differently. Yeah. Well, I mean, I make it sound all nice <laughs> and pretty. Oh no, I get, I, by process. no means do I feel, no, by yeah. no means did I, no, by no means did I hear, you know, I was down and out and the next day I was on top of my game. No, I like, I didn't fix my menopause situation or my lack of information situation in 10 seconds. You know, yeah, it's, it's a process. And you know what, to be honest with you, it's still a process, right? We're still designing our life every day, every day, making decisions. Yep. Exactly. But that was the thing though. So, but this is, this is the part that I I think like, I, I want people to understand though, is, you know, all of this stuff happened to me basically within the period of about a year and a half. And that was like leading in the year leading up to my 50th birthday. So there I was 50 in the throes of menopause, everything happening all at once. And I fell into the trap, the cultural narrative that you can't stay out over at 50. You're too old. Nobody's going to take you seriously. You're pretty much invisible. No, you know, you're never going to find love again because like that door is closed I subscribed to all of that. Like I sat in the woe is me pity party thing for a really, really long time until one day I was like, okay, I have a 30 year or more, maybe 40 years or maybe even 50 years, you know, God willing. Am I really going to subscribe to this and be like, okay, this is, I just need to find something to keep me busy until I die. I was like, oh, heck no. Like, hell no, this is not happening that way. And then I had to figure out, okay, if I'm going to recreate my life, I need to figure out how to do this. And it was like step by step by painful step that kind of got me to this place. And like you said, daily, it's still like, okay, what do I want for my life now? What do I want for my life now? And I'm constantly building it and creating it. But the difference is it's a very, very conscious decision. And I think that's what I want people to understand. You and I were at the same party, by the way. I don't remember running into you, but we were at the same party. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so many women have a similar story. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. We are. So while we're all unique, as you said, we have so much more in common with one another than not. And that is another reason I built Cool Life, because I want to bring that to the forefront so that when women go read about how this one woman's dealing with empty nest or this one woman is dealing with going back into the dating pool or this one woman is navigating, you know, her retirement funds, whatever it might be. I want women to have access to that information because I know I see truth nuggets in almost every article that I read mm, or something yes. that is relevant or thought provoking, mm. meaning like, oh, I did not know that I should probably go do a little research on that yeah. or, yeah. And so curiosity is the key. I believe at least for me to keep being engaged and living, living this life rather than waiting around for it to be over. You know, there's this humongous chasm between mini skirts and depends. I love and, that. <laughs> and that's where I believe that I get to live my cool life, right? In between that, because while I may not want to wear a mini skirt, I may not, I may, but I may not. I Your certainly, choice. 
yeah, I certainly am not incontinent and, you know, feeble and unable to take care of myself. Yeah. And what I am so tired of seeing is that the women I see in media that are supposedly my age, the products they're presenting aren't products that I use because I don't need them yet. Exactly. Maybe someday I will. And I'm glad that they'll be made available for me. But can I see a woman my age with my physique and my energy and my, you know, feel for life, you know, in an anthropology catalog? Because I wear, I wear anthropology clothes. Yeah. You know, so why can't I see myself in the brands that I want to (laughs) wear and use? That has got to change. And especially like we just talked about, like women have like financial power. We are like, we have the disposable income. So like brands, you need to wake up. Right. And like, okay, readjust your, your marketing is my pet peeve in life. I swear to God that when you look at in the media and what you see is like you said, bladder leakage protection, retirement funds and meal replacement shakes. And that becomes the sum of who we are as midlife women. I'm like, holy, like, yeah, like you said, they're necessary and useful in cases. Right. But it's like a tiny, tiny sliver of the representation of women in midlife. And like, we all need to be standing up and holding hands and screaming, here we are, like we're a powerhouse. You can't ignore us any longer. And, you know, like you said, I do see things changing, but like, we just, we need to not take our foot off the gas, (laughs) right? Yeah. Well, it's interesting. So the women who are out here helping make the change, by definition, I bet most of us aren't very patient. Because because why would we put ourselves out here? Yeah. You know, if we had more patience and we were a little bit more, you know, so the fact of the matter is those are the women that are leading this charge. And that's why we're like, what is taking so long? But we are making it. I already see a difference, Jennifer. I already in three years since I've been in this space, hundred percent, I see a proliferation of brands being introduced with products for women like dry vaginas or uh, pro-aging skincare, pro-aging hair care, because, you know, while I still color my hair, you know what I can't stop is the thinning. My hair is a lot thinner. That's just a part of being older for me. I mean, not everybody goes through that, but that's one of my symptoms. And so I'm glad that products are being brought to market that address these issues, because those are the issues that I want to address now. Yeah, right. 100%. while I'm wearing or not wearing my flipping mini skirt because it's my choice. <laughs> exactly. With your bikini at the same time. <laughs> I do wear, I yeah. still wear a bikini. I still wear oh, a bikini. So and you know what? You know what I bought myself this season or last season? I bought myself a white bikini. I would never have worn a white bikini when I was younger. No, you. And I never wore it. But now, I'm like, yeah, I'm 50, almost 58. I'm going to wear a white bikini because you know yeah. what? I don't care what anyone else thinks. <laughs> exactly. You know, my friends and I were in um, Greece a couple years ago and we went to a topless beach. And at first I was like, I had all this hesitation about, am I going to really go topless? I'm like, girls are not where they used to be. You know, like <laughs> they headed south a little bit. And then it's like you said, it was just like, well, who cares? Right. So off came the tops and we're like, all right, this is it. Like, and there was so much freedom in that. Like, who cares? Like, and then you look around the beach and you realize like there's people of all ages, size, shapes, colors, like, and nobody cares. Like nobody cares. Yeah. It's funny that you just said that because I just visited one of my thought leaders who lives in Mallorca, Spain. Mm -hmm. And she took me on this really long walk and we ended up at this nude beach and she's like, let's go in for a swim. And I'm like, oh my God, that's really cold. I didn't even think about getting naked. I was just horrified <laughs> at the idea of getting into the Mediterranean. When I touched it, I was like, oh, you want my entire body in there? Are you kidding me? And so, but I did it because there was no way she was getting undressed and getting in there. And I'm like, and there's no way, there's no way I'm going to watch you get in there. And then I need yeah, to I'm get in there sit too. here. Yeah. <laughs> And watch you get naked and get into the Mediterranean. I'm like, no, I got to get naked too. But the reality is that it was the cold outweighed any sort of hesitation I had about sagging boobs. (laughs) Right? (laughs) But yeah, my girls are definitely, you know, breastfeeding is breastfeeding is not kind (laughs) between breastfeeding and gravity. Well, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. 
what would you say to, you know, a woman who is like maybe in her early fifties and she's like, I want something more for my life. I'm struggling to figure out what this is while I'm in the throes of all my menopause. Like what's the one piece of advice would you would give somebody? It's funny because what I'm about to say is exactly contrary to what I was just describing us all. You need a little patience. Mm. I'll just, Ooh, just give, your, give yourself a little, you need a little patience, a little grace, and remember that it's just a phase and that there are options and solutions. And while today you may not have found it and tomorrow you may not have found it, stay the course because we can, you will find it. You will find it. I promise you just have to give yourself a little grace, a little elbow room. Those days you can be at the pity party. That's, you know, I'm not anti hanging out at the pity party for a little while. Just don't set up residence there. Don't do a change of address, you know, just, (laughs) but it's okay. You know, I mean, because you're, you said it, it took you a while to solve the dilemma that you found yourself in. Yeah. You know, it took you a while to get to that dilemma, my friend. You didn't end up divorced, sick, <laughs> and empty nest, you know, oh, on yeah. a whim. You know, it happened by degree. It happened over time. And and so we can't undo what took, you know, it, yeah. it's sort of like, you know, that give yourself some grace and some patience. Yeah. I love that. Like I think, you know, having compassion with ourselves for like where we find ourselves while knowing that this isn't the end, right? Like there is still more. So being able to hold those two truths at the same time and like allowing ourselves space to deal with it. I just, I I feel like that's so important. So thank you for sharing that piece of advice. So listeners, you guys got to go check out The Cool Life. We'll make sure that we put the links in the show notes and you can go see it. So many great articles on all of the topics you could possibly think of that have any impact on our life at this time. And one of the things that I love most about the, the Cool Life was the fact that you have curated a space for women-owned, created-led brands so that, because like that's become so important to me is the making sure that like I am buying from, you know, businesses that are aligned with me that I want to support that are, you know, helping somebody else. And I love that, like the, the selection of products and things that you have created in that. I think it's, it's absolutely beautiful. Thank you. I too feel that we need to purchase with a purpose. Yeah. And that's why I created that space because I want to support women-driven brands. I, I think yeah. that's, that goes hand in hand with normalizing aging and making sure that we are visible and relevant and heard. Yes. So yeah. Yes. Supporting our sisters and the cool life is spelled K-U-E-L life.com. What, what's the origin of that? Urban Dictionary, my friend, I ah. wanted I wanted cool because I feel like I'm a pretty cool person and I've been living this pretty cool life and I wanted to continue. But of course, COOL wasn't available. I went out on the Urban Dictionary and K-U-E-L is a synonym. So I snagged it and I am pretty excited cool. about it. Cool. <laughs> the cool life. I love it. So everybody listening, definitely go check out The Cool Life, an amazing online resource and a community uh, for us midlife women. So thank you, Jacqueline. I loved our conversation today. Um, Thank you, Jennifer. And for everybody listening, if you love what you heard today, please leave us a rating or a review or even better, pass this along to a friend, a sister, a relative that you think might get something out of this. This is how we grow the community of like-minded midlife women all stepping into our power. So until next time. Thank you for listening to the Old Chicks No Shit podcast. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give is to share this podcast with a friend, subscribe, rate and review our podcast on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen in.